Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Good morning, my name is John Wilson. Pastor Mike and his family are on vacation. We all understand that. Give them some time away where they can refresh and do some good things. And so he asked that I would bring the word this morning. The subject is prayer. Um, <clears throat> we have started an early morning prayer meeting here at 9.20 to 9.40 to pray for various requests. And so because of that, he asked that I would uh, give some attention to prayer. So I trust you have a Bible. If you don't, we have a lot of them available. Please take a Bible, either the old-fashioned kind or the new kind, the kind on your phone or your iPad. But please have a Bible in your hand. If you don't have one, there are a lot of them right over there. Please take one as a gift from the church. Please turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and let's begin reading in verse 14. I read from the New American Standard. Please follow along in whatever translation you like. Begin in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who was able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and forever. Amen. Jesus' disciples made only one request of him, that he teach them to pray. They didn't ask him to teach them to preach, to conduct seminars, to build churches, families, companies, to conduct seminars, to have worship. He, they had one request, that he teach them to pray. Now there's unanimous agreement among Christian people as to the basic importance of this Christian activity. You would all probably say when asked that the most important Christian activity is prayer. But ironically, it is prayer that seems to get the least amount of time and energy. In my own life, I know the value of prayer. I had melanoma surgery about 20 years ago. If someone at that time would have offered me $1,000 or a prayer, I would have taken the prayer in a second. But I also know I have great difficulty in praying. I am a results-oriented person. So, if I have 30 minutes available to me, I will usually choose a project to do. 
because at the end of 30 minutes, I can see the result of what I've done. With prayer, you don't see an immediate result. So you pray for 30 minutes, and what have you done? Well, my flesh would choose the projects. My spirit would choose the prayer. The flesh and the spirit will battle until my dying day. So in order to help my spirit in this battle, I hit upon an idea of studying the prayers in the New Testament. I wanted to see what people prayed. Not just a reference to, and they prayed, but what were the words of their prayer? What did they pray? I found 11 prayers in the New Testament that are recorded where you can actually read the words that somebody prayed. I was immediately convicted. My prayers tended to be for immediate, mundane things. The Bible people, they prayed for lofty spiritual goals, which, when met, would care for all of the immediate, mundane things that I was praying for. I prayed for broken fingernails. Ooh, it just hurts so much. Bible people prayed for revelations of Jesus Christ. I prayed for relief of my pain. Bible people prayed to be strengthened in the inner man. I prayed to be full of food and water. Bible people prayed to be filled with God. Well, the, the, result, the uh, scripture that we just read, Ephesians 3, 14, is the prayer of the Apostle people, uh, of the Apostle Paul for very good Christian faithful people. Paul was known as a very persuasive preacher. He used powerful arguments to convince the most hardened unbelievers of the truth of the gospel. He preached because of a call from God. You have your Bible there. Go back to the beginning of chapter 3 of, Ephesus, uh, of Ephesians. Ephesians 3. Let's look right at verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. Now go down to verse 6. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel of which I was made a minister, according to the gift of God's grace which was given to me according to the working of his power. But no matter how good the preacher he is totally ineffective unless the Holy Spirit takes the words and makes them penetrate into the heart. Man speaks to the mind. The Holy Spirit speaks to the heart. And so Paul understood that, and he prayed. Look at verse 14, chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. In other words, I Pray to the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, what was he praying for? 
He was praying for the Ephesian people who were noted for their faith and love. Go back to chapter 1 of Ephesians. We will read verse 15. Here is a little profile of the people of Ephesus. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints. In other words, Paul was praying for faithful, loving people. So, think of the most faithful, loving person you know. Maybe it's your mother. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's one of your children. Maybe it's Pastor Mike. Maybe it's one of our elders. Think of the most faithful, loving Christian person you know. And now you're going to pray for him or her. What are you going to pray? Well, I know what I would pray. I would probably say, Lord, bless him. Lord, protect her. Lord, meet her needs, meet his needs. Thank you. Amen. And I was done. Well, what did the Apostle Paul pray for faithful, loving people? Well, let's start in verse 16. He prays, and he makes four requests, and they're very easily delineated by the word that. Look at verse 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. The first request for faithful, loving Christian people is that they be strengthened in the inner man. The inner man is my spirit. That's where my decisions are made. It's the powerhouse of my life. If you're a psychology person, it's the id, you know. It's that inside of you. The inner man needs to be strengthened in order to follow God. Otherwise, he will just respond to what's being done to the outer man or what's being told to the outer man. Satan tries to kill the outer man. The inner man must be renewed often by the Spirit of God to be strong. When you read your Bible, your inner man is being strengthened. But when the inner man is weak, I typically put up a good front. Viktor Frankl was an Austrian Jewish medical doctor who survived the Nazi Holocaust. He lived through one of the death camps, and he told this story. The Nazis controlled the camps by intimidation. The prisoners were stripped naked and forced to march in front of their captive soldiers. As Frankel was made to march in front of the soldiers, one of the soldiers saw that he was still wearing his wedding ring. And he came to him and he yanked the ring off of his finger. As the ring was coming off of his finger, a thought went through Frankel's mind, and that thought gave him the strength to survive four years. The thought was this. You can rob me of everything I have, but I still possess the freedom of how I choose to think about you. Now that is in the inner man. 
You may rob me of everything I have, but I still possess the freedom of how I choose to think about you. That is in the inner man. And that is the part of us that needs strengthening. Why did one man die as the result of the horrible treatment by the Nazis and another man survive? Strength in the inner man. What keeps one teenager from succumbing to peer pressure while another gives in to the same pressure to do self-destructive things? Strength in the inner man. Why can one person lose weight on a diet while another person gives in to every tempting french fry? Strength in the inner man. Why does one person remain faithful to his marriage vows while another falls prey to pornography, prostitutes, and affairs? Strength in the inner man. Faithful, loving Christian people have a need to be strengthened in the inner man. The Apostle Paul's first request is that loving Christian people be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in the inner man. The second request that he makes is that Christ may dwell in the hearts of faithful, loving Christian people through faith. Go now to verse 17. You see the word that? That's the second request. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. To dwell is the key to this request. To dwell means to live at home. I dwell in Parker, Colorado. This is my home. This is where I live. This is where I dwell. So this request is that Christ may be at home in the life of faithful, loving Christian people. Or that faithful, loving Christian people learn to live with Jesus. At the new birth, life from above is planted within us. There is something within us that is divine, sinless, as God himself. The Apostle Paul says it this way, It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. The Apostle Peter says it this way, we are partakers of the divine nature. Christ is in me, but in, not in all of me, because my flesh still exists here. I have my spirit that's been made alive by Jesus, and I have my flesh. Being a Christian is living in the Jesus part of my life. Now, here is my favorite illustration of this. <clears throat> we moved from St. Louis. In St. Louis, or in the southern part of the United States, zoysia grass can be grown. If any of you here from the south, you know zoysia grass. Zoysia grass is a warm season grass. It forms a thick grass carpet that is almost totally resistant to weeds. Zoysia grass is planted in two-inch plugs. Those plugs are put down in a field of weeds. After about the third growing season, those plugs have so expanded that they've taken over 
the entire lawn and you have a full green lawn of zoysia grass. Nothing can stop the spread of zoysia grass. If your neighbor has a zoysia grass lawn, you're going to have a zoysia grass lawn unless you have a hard barrier like uh, a concrete driveway. So now let's say a new zoysia lawn has been planted. There are little two-inch plugs about every foot. Now let's pretend. You can shrink yourself down to be two inches tall. Remember, honey, I shrunk the kids? Shrink yourself down to be two inches tall. And you're dropped down inside of that two-inch zoysia plug. And you're standing there, and you look around, and all you see is green grass. You see beautiful blades of green grass all around you. Two inches away there are weeds, but all you see is green grass. Now the challenge is to stay living in that zoysia plug. It's very tempting to wander over and see what, what's out there. Let's go out there and take a look. <laughs> For Christ to dwell in my heart by faith is to stay in that little place. The request is to be at home in the Spirit, not to wander off into the weeds. Weddings are beautiful. Divorces never occur at weddings. Not at all. Divorces occur when the two people are, who are in the wedding can't get along. In the Christian experience, conversion is beautiful. Nobody gets saved and backslide at the same time. Doesn't happen. You backslide when you move out of the zoysia and start living in the weeds. The second request for faithful, loving Christian people is that Christ be at home in their lives or I learn to live with Jesus. Number three. The third request for faithful, loving Christian people is that they feel the love of Jesus. You have your Bible there. Look at verse 17. Start by the, kind of in the middle. Find the word that. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. The word know, as it's used in the Bible, is to experience, to feel. The greatest need of the human heart is love, to give love, to receive love. If you've studied a lot of other curriculum, you'll find that people say the greatest need is this, that, or the other. According to the Bible, my greatest need is love, to give love, to receive love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Love must be felt. Love is not an academic subject. Love is not a balance sheet. When you're in love, you feel it. Now, because love is the greatest need of my heart, I have made an assumption. The assumption is that every message a person gives out is a love message. It says either, I love you, or please love me. 
But because we are sinful, the messages come out backwards. I could say to you, I am really hungry, and I would love to have a peanut butter sandwich. Or I could say to you, you didn't make me a peanut butter sandwich. Now, the first way is going to get a peanut butter sandwich. You're probably going to say, well, you want white bread, you want wheat, what do you want yours? The second remark would probably get, well, make your own. <laughs> and so we have two love-starved people being forced apart. God's intent is that we come together. So let's pretend. You have a 15-year-old daughter. The rule in your house is that no solo dating until you're 16. But your daughter has met Mr. Wonderful. And so she begs. She promises. She does everything she can to convince you, and against your better judgment, you negotiate a plan. Okay, you can go, but you have to be home by 10.30. Special night, day arrives, there she goes with Mr. Wonderful. <clears throat> 10.30, she's not home. 11 o'clock, she's not home. 11.30, she's not home. 12 o'clock, she walks in the door, and there you are with fire in your eyes and disappointment in your voice. You question everything about her, where she has been. Every minute has to be accounted for, who she was with, what happened, everything about it. Your words are like machine gun bullets. But now let's take away all of that anger, and let's take away all of that disappointment, and what are you really saying? I love you, honey, and I don't want you to be hurt. Please love me by following the rules of the family. But she's 15 years old. She doesn't have the ego strength to hear a love message. All she knows is dad is mad. In order to hear love messages, I must be full of the love of Jesus. Otherwise, I'm just going to respond the way somebody treats me. If I am full of the love of Jesus, then I know I will have the ego strength to hear a love message. The person who is critical of you <clears throat> is giving a very backwards love message. That person could have passed you by in silence. But the fact that he took thought, he took brain power, he took time, he took his breath, he was saying to you, I love you, or please love me. Now the person who has the love of Jesus in him and can respond to the love message is really going to communicate. Otherwise, I just respond with the same critical message that was given to me, and again, two love-starved people are pushed apart, where it's the Lord's intent 
that we come together. The third request for faithful, loving Christians is that they feel the love of Jesus. Number four, the fourth request for faithful, loving Christian people is that they be filled with God. Look at verse 19. Second part of verse 19. Find the word that. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. I like that Paul is such a good grammarian. Those that's just help us. The roots of the Christian life are planted in a baby Christian when you're born again. You have something from God that is put inside of you. It's the life of Jesus. Now, the point is for that to grow and to develop and become a full life. The Apostle Paul gives a description of the life of Jesus in the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus was all nine of the fruit. And the intent for God is that my life display that same fruit. And so the seed is planted when I'm born again. Then it has to be cultivated, it has to be watered. You read the Bible, you come to church, you associate with your Christian friends. But the point is that that seed develops into a full tree so that there's fruit hanging off of my tree that you can eat. That's the point. Now this fourth request is that I be filled with God. In other words, that the tree grows up, the seed develops, so that the fruit is hanging all off of me so that you can eat it. The Apostle Paul knew that his preaching was not enough, as good as he was. So he prayed and he made four requests for faithful, loving Christian people. First one, they be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in the inner man. Second one, that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. Third one, that they feel the love of Jesus. Fourth one, they be filled with God. Now the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians from a prison cell in Rome. And he's writing to Ephesus. It's 800 miles away as the crow flies. Paul had been there years earlier. He had met some of these people. But some of the people he was praying for, he had never seen. He didn't know them personally, their lives, or their needs. But he prays for them. Now, as I studied and meditated on these four requests, and this has been over the space of years, I have come to the conclusion that if all four of these requests are met, the person I'm praying for can handle anything that happens to him. If you have these four things, no matter what comes your way, you can handle it. So you ask, is this even practical to pray this way? Here's my answer. I serve as a volunteer chaplain in Parker Adventist Hospital on Fridays. I go there. I'm assigned to a hall. I'm given a roster of patients. I just go from room to room to room to room to room. And I, <clears throat> I offer to pray for people. About 1 out of 20 decline. So I pray for about 19 of 20 people that I meet. I've met these people for five minutes. I know nothing about them, where they're from, what their lives are like, what they've been through, anything about them. I don't inquire about the medical condition. That's not my business. 
I know nothing about them other than a five-minute conversation. So when it comes time to pray, what do I pray? Here is my prayer. I get the patient's first name, and then I pray. I ask that Bob be strengthened through the Holy Spirit in the inner man, that Christ dwell in Bob's heart, that Bob feel the love of Jesus, and that Bob be filled with God. And then add a few more things. And then I feel I have prayed a scripture prayer covering requests that were made by none other than the Apostle Paul. So, let's practice. You each received a piece of paper like this. Can you get it out? If you don't have one, somebody get you one. Where's the nurse? Everybody have one? You don't have one? Put your hand up. Oh, Greg's right here in the front. We need some. Here, Carrie. Okay, everybody needs one. We're going to practice. I've done this thousands of times with people. Okay, this is the prayer from Ephesians 14, 3, 14 to 21, sort of put in our language, okay? So we're going to practice. First thing you do, choose the person you're going to pray for. Could be yourself. You can put your own name in there. Could be yourself. You choose the person you're going to pray for, okay? Then we're going to do three things. Number one, we're going to pray with our eyes open. You say, I've never, I, that's not even scriptural. I always have my eyes closed. Please, practice one time with your eyes open. Second thing we're going to do, we're going to read a prayer. You say, I, I can, I, that's not biblical. You pray from the heart. You don't read prayers. Please, one time do it. Number three, we're going to pray in a very soft voice. You say, no, 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 I don't do that. Please, for me, do it once. Okay, do it once. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 15, we are told to offer to God a sacrifice, the fruit of lips. Fruit of lips is words. So, we're going to pray aloud, very softly. I don't want you to bother the guy next to you. This is you and God, okay? You're not to be heard by anybody else, but you're going to put words on it. Don't leave the prayer in your brain just to kind of float in there, you know? That's not praying, really. Put words on it, okay? So have you got it? Got your paper? You know who you're going to pray for? Do you have a paper? Here. Come on. She's in the front row and doesn't have one. Look at that. I know she knows how to pray, but... Are you ready? Very soft. Don't bother anybody, but you're going to pray for somebody that you've chosen. Go. Amen. All right, you did it once, now do it again. Think of a second person, somebody else you want to pray for, okay? Got a person in your mind? Got a person in your mind? Okay, go. Mm -hmm. 
Amen. Please stand. You now have a tool that you can use when you pray for people whom you love. Use it. Pray for yourself. Bow your head now. And let's just talk to the Lord, okay? Talk to Jesus about how you pray. He's shown us how the Apostle Paul prayed. Imagine that guy. When we get to heaven, we'll say, hey, Paul, I prayed just like you did. How'd you come up with that? I started using it, Paul. And boy, it made a difference in me. I tried to pray for people just like you prayed. Thank you for writing all that down for me. Thank you. And help me now to use it and to use it well. Dear Jesus, how great you are. If you have not yet come to know the Lord and your heart is heavy, I would like to meet you. Please come to the front as we pray. If you would like for me to pray for you in any way, please come. God bless you. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and forever. Amen. God bless you as you go in the name of the Lord and use your tool this week. God bless. Bye. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.